All right, I have the distinct honor of introducing your speaker today. We're going to have so much fun. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Yeah. So um, we have a friend who is in leadership here that many of you know her. She uh, is usually behind the scenes more than not. She is powerful. Uh, She carries powerful grace gifts in the realm of the prophetic and in the area of teaching. She is uh, a mother in this house to many. She is a friend in this house to even more. And she is a daughter that has her her own testimony of Friday night encounters that we'll save for another day. But um, I am very, very excited to introduce Amanda Leah Noel today. Why don't you give her a hand? Good morning, everyone. <laughs> a few months ago, I was actually speaking across the street on the campus, and uh, someone said to me, oh, you're little Julie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, someone who takes, you know, I like my individuality, I really value my sense of uniqueness. I thought that was such a compliment. <laughs> quite the compliment. For those of you who don't know Julie, um, to to know her is to be seen by her, and to be seen by her is to be loved by her. Um, So thank you, Julie, for knowing me and seeing me and loving me. (laughs) Um, Wow, I'm so excited to stand in front of you guys this morning. Um, Darren and Wendy are out of town, but they send their love. Um, A few months ago, I think Darren had, or maybe not that long ago, Darren had mentioned... um, about a young woman, Whitney Vesterfelt, a worship leader um, who passed away um, at the young age of 27 due to cancer. Um, So Wendy and Darren are actually ministering at her father's church right now in Winston-Salem, but they send their love to you. Um, I actually want to thank Darren. He's not here right now to hear it, but I just want to thank him for giving me the opportunity to share with all of you. It's no small thing to come up here and share God's word with his sheep, right? So I want to thank him for that opportunity. He also wanted me to mention to you, last week was Vision Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, Vision Sunday. And um, he was talking about how we have a hybrid model here of gatherings and groups, right? Remember, that's what he was talking about last week. And he wanted me to just mention that if, you, if that was stirring your heart, if you want to get deeper connected with us as a community, um, as Julie was mentioning, that there's going to be people out, outside the lobby talking about Friday nights. There's also going to be people who can talk to you about um, the wave classes that are starting in October and also small groups. So if that's on your heart, you want to get plugged in, you want to get connected at a deeper level, you can just step outside the lobby on your way out and get some more information. Okay? Sound good? Yeah. So before we begin, can we pray? You know, I've been, like, raised in the church my whole life. So this is like something that I just, it's like breathing to me, right? This is like something that I've done my whole life, come to church on Sunday, serve, worship. 
And if we're not careful, it can become routine. We can approach it in a cavalier fashion and not really um, ponder or consider the weight of us being able to gather together and what's available to us when we're here as a community. And so I, wanna, I want us to pray, and I want us to pray not like we're bowing our heads and closing our eyes because that's the routine of what we do before someone comes and gives a message. But I want us to pray with the mentality, with the understanding, with the awareness that God is here. And that, I dare say, it's, it's not just for another message, right? But that there's something that he wants to do in me and in you. That there's more of us that he wants. <laughs> more access that he wants to our hearts. And that we have to participate in that. Right? So can we, can we all, in your own way, every person, can we just do that? Can we invite him? He's already here. But he likes to be invited. So can we invite him together? Yeah. Holy Spirit, <laughs> we love you. And we, we say that your presence is everything. Your presence is everything to us. Daddy, I don't want to say another word unless it is breathed upon by your presence. <laughs> Daddy, I thank you for the hearts in this room. I thank you for your beautiful people whom you love. You love so much. Daddy, I thank you that even now, each one of us, we just say, come and have your way. We give you permission. We give you access to us. We know that there's more that you want to do on the inside. And we don't want to just sit here, Cavalier. We could be anywhere right now. But we chose to be here. And so we say, Father, come, have your way. Do what you want to do on the inside. We give you permission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've been in a sermon series, right? Called Tipping Point. Yeah? And a tipping point is defined by which there are situations, circumstances that boil over, right? They pass a point of no return in which an effect or in a change cannot be stopped. And this made me think about, you know, after Jesus had died, the disciples, <laughs> they huddled away in fear. And reasonably so, right? I mean, the man that they had put all their hopes in, their friend, their leader, their companion, was brutally executed, right? Right? at the behest of the, some Jewish leaders and by the hands of the Roman government. They had just watched him be brutally murdered. And their hope that he was going to be the Messiah, he was going to be the one that was going to lead the Jewish people back into their political kingdom on the earth, that all stood in the balance. And they found themselves in this precarious situation he was executed. What does that mean for our own lives now? Who's coming for us? What do we do next? 
And so they were hiding and they were afraid and they're confused and perplexed, not knowing what to make of what just occurred. And we know that Jesus appears to them as they're hiding in this room. He comes and he says, peace be with you. And he lifts up his hands. He shows them the scars, shows them his wounded side. And he says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, I think about that moment, the first time that he's reunited with all of his disciples, his 12. He could have said anything to them. He could have, there's so many things he could have done. But he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Why did he do that? What is so essential about the person of the Holy Spirit that out of everything he could have said, everything he could have done, that's what he chooses to impart to his disciples when he's reunited with them. And so as we venture this morning together, I want to begin with a question for all of us in this room. In a post-resurrection world, what role does the Holy Spirit play in the lives of disciples of Jesus? And what is so significant about the work that he does on the inside of us that it results in a tipping point by which that effect, that reality cannot be stopped in the earth? It's a good question, huh? (laughs) It's a good question. And this was something that the disciples themselves had to wrestle with, right? For many, 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 many years, the Jewish people alone were God's sole people, right? They were the ones who had the law. They were the recipients of his covenant. And that was... They, from what they knew, that was their experience and their experience alone. But we know that the work of Christ expanded the family of God, as was always in his heart, as was always in the heart of God. And the work of Christ expanded the family of God to include Jews and Gentiles alike. But that was challenging. <laughs> right? If you're accustomed to being God's so people, and you have the law, and you have the covenant, and now you are now joined with a group of people who haven't been raised with the law. They haven't been raised in the teachings of God. They actually come from pagan religion, and they have their own customs. And now, being joined together in one family, centered around the person of Jesus, the work that he accomplished, now being united in one family, how do we do life together? Torah observance was critical in the life of a Jew. It affected every aspect of their lives, what they ate, resting on the Sabbath, the celebration of certain feasts, the mark of circumcision, 
Do we have to get circumcised if we're coming now into the family of God? These were critical questions that the, that the early church community had to wrestle with. And so when we talk about the work of the Spirit, that is in the context Jesus coming and Paul, the apostle, now speaking to the early church about what it means to live life in the power of the Spirit. This is the context in which he is speaking this into. This tension, this difficulty amongst people who are now united as one family, called to walk together. And so we're going to look at that together in our text today. And in the climax of the letter, when, God, when Paul is, we're going to look at the book of Romans. And we call it the book of Romans, but it's really the letter, right, to the Roman church, right? That's what it is. And when Paul is writing to the Romans, this is the situation, this is the issue that he is addressing, and in the first few chapters, he, recapit- he recapitulates the story of God's interaction with humanity. It's beautiful. If you haven't read it, read it. And in the climax of the letter, as he's done working through what it means to be a Jew, now the Gentiles are grafted in, right? He's going through all of these things. He talks about now what is our inheritance as the, pe- the united people of God living life in the spirit. And so these few verses that we're going to read today in the letter to the Romans, in the book of Romans, we're in chapter 8, and it's verses 5 through 17. This is what Paul has to say about living life in the spirit. And it's quite a few verses that we're going to read, um, but I want us to, to pay close attention to his words because they're so powerful and they have such uh, profound relevance to our experience today. So we can just get that on the screen, and I'll, I'll read along with my paper here. Beautiful. And he begins, and he says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering.
It's profound. And there's, there's so much that we can discuss here. There's so much we could say, um, but we only have a few minutes. And so I want to be really intentional about what we communicate in this, in this next few moments. Paul, when Paul writes to the church in Rome about what it means to be followers of Jesus, <laughs> he's saying that it involves a complete demolition and remodeling of one's identity. <laughs> he's saying that because of the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, that new creation, that the new life that, that began with Jesus being raised from the dead is now alive on the inside of us. And that it's something that we get to participate in. New creation begins for each one of us in this room with ourselves. His work on the inside of us. And having him live on the inside of us, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? It, sometimes I think we might think it's like having a puppet master right? He just comes and he just takes over and now he's pulling the strings and we have no control over what happens. But that's not how it works at all. Having the Holy Spirit inside of us is not being controlled by someone else. It's an invitation into relationship. You have Deity living on the inside. But that deity is not a firm taskmaster who's beating you into submission, who's, con- who's trying to micromanage you and control everything that you do. When the Holy Spirit comes on the inside, He's a Lord and He's kind. He's a friend, and he's constantly drawing us, and he's constantly wooing us to know his heart, to know him more. It's not a, an overhaul, a takeover, a hostile takeover by God. No, he comes and he takes residence on the inside, and he says, follow me. Let me show you a better way. Let me show you how to live. If you heed, if you heed my words, you will live. You will know what true life is. That's what it is to have the Holy Spirit on the inside. It's about union with God. You know, prior to the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, we were enslaved in our thinking. We didn't know God. But now having the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we have deity alive on the inside. Leading us, guiding us, speaking to us. We are now made back in unity with God where before our sin kept us unsure of him, uncertain separated, not knowing his ways, not knowing his heart. Now we actually have God alive on the inside of us where we get to access 
him 24-7 all the time. There is a unity now that we have with the Godhead. Think about that. That you have deity residing on the inside. And this is, that's what it's all about. It's about relationship. It's about doing life with God. And in the verses that we just read, um, Paul mentions that one of the evidences of being filled, of being spirit-filled, is knowing that we are children of God. That is the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, right? We know that in the person of Christ, that Jesus revealed with flesh on who God is, right? That when he walked on the earth, he actually was a picture, an image of God and what God is like, who God really is, what's he really like. But the work of the Spirit, see, we don't have Jesus embodied walking around with us all the time, right? The work of the Spirit is to come on the inside and say, yes, just the way that Jesus walked and you had that image, now you have my Spirit on the inside of you, revealing just the way that Jesus was when he walked on the earth, who God is and his heart towards us as his kids. The Holy Spirit on the inside of us says, you are God's beloved, The the spirit of God on the inside of us lets us know that now we live life in light of his smile. (laughs) That fear has been broken off. That our relationship with God is not hostile. Where we have to bow our heads in shame. And we're afraid to look up at our father. But the spirit says no. (laughs) You You live in light of God's smile. One of the most uh, greatest authors, I would say, of our, of our time, Toni Morrison, she just recently passed away. Incredible, incredible author. I was watching an interview with her, and she was talking about children. And she said that the one question that children want answered is, when I walk into a room... Do your eyes light up? That's profound, right? When I walk into a room, do your eyes light up? And that's what the Holy Spirit does on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit tells us that when, we, when God looks at us, his eyes are lighting up. <laughs> that when the Father looks at us, that we are accepted, that we are approved, that we are his beloved. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does on the inside of us. And it's that revelation that changes everything. (laughs) It's that revelation that changes everything that we believe about God and ourselves and what it means to be alive. It's a relational reconstruction of our lives. And in the same way that parents are given the privilege of bestowing their core values There are norms on their children. When we enter the family of God, we are coming under a new value system. God is revealing by the person of the Holy Spirit what his values are to us. And this new value system should influence our thinking, right? Just as that verse says that whoever sets their mind on the things of the Spirit, right? will reap the things of the Spirit. Paul explains that there's a connection between the Spirit's 
work in our lives and our patterns of thinking, what we think about. So another way of putting that is what we allow ourselves to think about day in, day out, as we're going about our day, will influence the Spirit's work in our lives. Now, some of you are thinking, no, 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 Mandalia. You're just, you just made us way too powerful. Like, what I think about influences how much the Holy Spirit is able to work in my life. Yes. Yes. Because God is not running over you. He's not overhauling you. He's inviting you to participate in the work that he already begun when he put himself on the inside of you. He's inviting you to participate in that. So yes, and, the, and, and that scripture that we just read says that by the Spirit, we, we put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. We do that. That is our part. God has already done his part by invading us on the inside, filling us with his deity. He's already given us everything that we need, but it's because of us. We voluntarily, of our own volition, coming into agreement with God in participation of the work he has already started. It requires our participation. This is a relationship. The Holy Spirit is a person. In the letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, he tells them, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And so that means all of us, right? All of us who are filled with God by our own willingness to participate in the work that he's already begun, we can decide how much access we have. How we can decide how much of God we want. You know, sometimes I've been, I mean, I've been walking with the Lord for a really long time. And, you know, we go through seasons and sometimes you feel like there's distance. And we know that <laughs> on the cross, when Jesus extended his arms, he bridged that distance. That, that, that the sin, the weight of that sickness, he bridged the gap with his arms spread wide so there would be no distance. And then he filled us with his person so that we would literally have God so close. And I think sometimes when we feel that God is far away, Sometimes it's because we, 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 maybe unconsciously, have put that distance between us and God. We've put that distance there because he hasn't left the building. He didn't just walk up on the outside of you and leave. He doesn't leave. He doesn't go. He's right there. And so sometimes when we're going about our day and he's right there, but there's stuff. We all have stuff, right? <laughs> and there's stuff that's happening and we're busy 
and we're annoyed because this didn't work out the way we wanted to and this. And we get our minds so fixed on all of our circumstances, we forget to acknowledge the one that's sitting right there, so close on the inside. And we feel distant. We feel separated when we don't have to. And so how do we participate? How do we do this? How do we, how do we know that we're living life by the power of the Holy Spirit? Do we have to white-knuckle it? Grit our teeth? I know, I know for some of us, maybe even raised in, in, in some Christian communities, that was kind of how you were taught unfortunately, right? That as long as you look good on the outside, it looks like you got it all together, then it's okay. You put your church face on when you walk in the building. That's not our portion. It's not what Holy Spirit has for us. When we keep I love the way Paul puts this in the letter to Galatians. He says, keep in step with the Spirit. It's an image. It's a relational image of us walking alongside God. Have you ever walked alongside someone (laughs) and you couldn't keep pace? This is like short people problems right here. This is is my reality. Um, Like when I walk, like I, I have like a nice quick like, brisk kind of what I think I do anyway right um like you know I have a nice pace um but when I walk (laughs) alongside tall people and their strides are like this long (laughs) my little steps just like (laughs) can't keep up (laughs) um it's a real it's a real thing it's an issue um as you noticed today speaking of individuality earlier did you notice my um did you notice my special podium this is not for aesthetics people this is because I'm tiny and you wouldn't be able to see me from the podium. So, short people problems. But keeping in step with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, such an image, right? And I, there, um, there is this couple that I used to know, and um, they, were, they, were having, they were a married couple, and they were just in a rough place in their marriage, and as I was thinking about the scripture, keeping in step with the spirit, I had this image of them. And I used to see them quite often and habitually, like on a continual basis, I used to see them walking in a church or walking in a parking lot or wherever they were walking. And I would, the husband would walk like a few feet ahead of his wife. And that's such an unfortunate picture, right, of the disconnect in their intimacy, disconnect in their relationship. That's not the image that God has for us in our relationship with him, who are called to walk alongside of each other in step, knowing, okay, Holy Spirit, we're so close that when you take a step, I can, I can sense where you're leading. And instead of resisting, instead of saying, no, I don't want to go that way. I want to go my way. I yield to where you're going. I yield to where you're moving. That is our portion. That is our reality in our relationship. And one of the ways of us being unified 
with God. And this was the last verse that we read, verse 17 this morning. One thing that we are, one way that we are unified in the spirit with God, it says that we're unified in his glory as well as his sufferings. It's not a popular thing to preach nowadays. But it's true. We serve a suffering and glorious God. And when we forget either one of those in that equation, we can get ourselves into some trouble. (laughs) In the person of Jesus, whom we are called to follow, suffering is the means by which God's glory was revealed in the earth. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying, right? His, his death and his sacrifice was one time and for all. And there's nothing that we need to do to earn that or emulate that sacrifice. Nothing in that respect. But, the, but there is a death unto life that we are called to participate in. And that is the death of the sinful nature. That is the death that we are called to participate in. And when, when the old man dies... The, war, the body, the, the, in the book of Romans, chapter 6, it talks about how we died with Christ in his death. And now that we have Holy Spirit living on side, on the inside of us, it's that resurrection life doing its work. That's where the glory comes in. And it's not always easy because we know to live as Christ in the world is to be rejected. It's not popular. It's not popular. He was reviled. He was wounded. But we, because we have Holy Spirit on the inside of us, living and breathing and moving, when the, when the pressures of this world, when the suffering comes from every side, we say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. By the power of the Spirit, we release that suffering love unto resurrection life not just for our own walks but for everyone around us releasing and embodying to the world what it means to be little Christs in the earth that's what Holy Spirit does on the inside of us that's what he does and that is the tipping point us being able to move in the earth in the power of God not demanding our own ways not demanding our own rights submitting to God under his leadership and him exalting us to rule and reign with him in the earth as his ambassadors filled with his spirit walking and operating in the likeness of the character of Christ that's who God is on the inside of us So I'll end with this. If this is going to be a tipping point for us, not just individually, but corporately, imagine if every believer, every believer walked so closely with Holy Spirit, what would that do in the earth? What would that do at your workplace? What would that do in the education system? What would that do in our government? If 
that's going to be a reality, there's two questions I want to ask. To whom and to what are we giving ourselves? What are we setting our minds on? Can God have more access of you this morning? Because he paid for you. He paid for all of it. And he's asking, Holy Spirit is asking, will you give me more access to your heart? Will you give me more access to your life? What are we thinking about? What are we setting our minds on? What are we filling ourselves with? Day in and day out. Are we filling ourselves with things that actually feed, feed, nurture the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us? Are we filling ourselves on a daily basis with things that grieve the heart of God? If we want to walk in step with Him, we have to participate in the work that He's doing on the inside of us. And so this morning, I want to pray. We're going to have the ministry team come up. They're ready to pray with you. If you want more, because you have it all on the ready on the inside of you, but you want to give God greater access to you, you want to become even that much more sensitive to the person of the Holy Spirit in your daily life, when you're waking up in the morning, right? When you're going, you're driving in your car on your way to work, you want to be that much more sensitive to His Spirit. We have some people at the front, and they're gonna they're gonna pray with you. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you. You are alive on the inside. That your resurrection power is having its way. That it's moving. It's stirring. It's calling us. It's calling us deeper into intimacy. And I thank you, Daddy, that there, that the truth. You're declaring the truth this morning that the old man is gone. The old man has passed away. And that our new lives that we live in you are available, ready and available. I thank you that there's no addiction that's more powerful than your spirit. That there's nothing that we have been stuck in, living in, that you cannot break. There is no chain that you cannot break this morning. I thank you for old patterns and old ways of thinking that are being removed now in Jesus' name in light of the new value system of God that you are revealing by your spirit to each one. And so if you would like prayer, come on, come to the front. Come to the front. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.